Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Welcome to the Capital Club Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Excelsior Capital, an investment platform focused on democratizing private equity by providing individuals access to direct opportunities. To learn more about the firm and the Capital Club community, visit our website at www.excelsiorgp.com and connect with Brian on LinkedIn. Hello and welcome to Capital Club Podcast. Seb with me, Christian Grupp. Christian, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Brian. Really happy to be here. Christian is the founder and CEO of Intole, a family office command center, which we will get into. Christian has nearly two decades of experience with family offices and technology. They're serving as an executive of his family's multifamily office and driving the growth of business through people and technology systems. And that's really where I want the majority of the conversation to be, which is this fascinating intersection between kind of this old line family office management industry and, you know, dominated by baby boomers for the most part today, but very quickly being disintermediated and changed by the advent and leverage of technology. And you're really at the intersection of the two of them, which is why I found it so fascinating. Before we get into what you're doing and the focus, could you maybe give a bit a background on yourself and the firm? Sure. So my background has always been very heavy in technology and the family office space. And I grew up when my father was starting his first business and working that as a teenager. And that's what eventually morphed into the MFO. And I was... What was the, at, what was the business? What was your dad's business? So he started with a law firm and then he started doing some wealth management associated with that. And... Through all that, I was I've worked in and out of that throughout my whole life since I was a teen. I remember or one of my first jobs there was to stick sticky notes of where to sign on the documents and to make coffee. And then I got promoted to make collection calls after that. So it was definitely a little bit of a birth by fire and seeing what's involved with the nuts and bolts and evolving from there. After that, I did a lot of technology work myself, working with other businesses. And then as I was finishing up my degree in philosophy, very related, I went ahead and was talking to my father about the operations of the firm and technology and was just looking for what we could get off the shelf for our own family office. And we found a lot of really great innovation happening. This was six years ago now. And most of that innovation seemed to be in general ledger, performance reporting, or things that are like a narrow document management system like Box. At the time, we had had a built-out Salesforce instance that was very heavily customized with workflows built in. And as we were just surveying what other people were doing to figure out what we might learn from the industry, people were pulling things together with tools like Salesforce. And that's what we had. 
and just my experience working with other businesses and where how technology was helping evolve other businesses, there was something missing. I didn't I can't say I really had an exact notion of what that was at the beginning. The purpose was not to go out and build something at the start. It was just to streamline and automate what we were working on. But what we found is that we were finding little purpose-built systems. Like Adapar has made a ton of traction in the last six years. You have SSNC, SEI, Sage, Oracle, SAP, so many different players. And the list goes on Bill.com, et cetera. And we saw those people moving forward and investing tens of millions, hundreds of millions, and in some cases, billions of dollars a year for those specific parts. But what we were lacking was something that pulled it together. And at least in my experience working with technology and other industries, a lot of people initially said, okay, disparate areas, let's build a giant monolithic platform. All right, let's think of the ERPs. We have finance. Oh, let's track our inventory. Now let's integrate that inventory with other people. And you have an ERP. And the ERP ties a CRM in and it turns this one all-encompassing platform. But that's not how the most efficient companies are working. They're working where they'll hub information together and then they'll have specific purpose-built platforms. And that's what we started building is in Tole, the command center. And that was our answer to it. But at a more macro level, I think the family office space is really, really unique. You look at how technology is weaving into our day-to-day lives, the whole fourth industrial revolution, internet of things. Now we have sensors on everything that cue sometimes human activity, like you need to service your car, you can get that alert to your phone, or you have a service due that's coming up. Something's going wrong with your temperature in your house. If you're using a smart home, if you're in a manufacturing plant, sensors can even trigger systems to do other things. And the family office space, it's really unique because it tends to touch many, many, many more service areas than any other industry I've ever worked with. Because by its very nature, and I I love this, I think you and Eddie talked about this on your podcast, Brian, when you were joining Eddie, that family offices are nothing new in their concept. They've been around since the Babylonians, the Egyptians, you had the butlers, the concept of people attending to the well-being of a family is nothing new. So inherently, it's there to help the family, both the wealth creators, the next generations, rising generations, lead good lives, be able to get the things that they want, and act in the world. And so by virtue, it has to encompass everything. And I think for the space, really figuring out how to have infrastructure that digitally interconnects with all of the different things that touch a family's life is absolutely vital. Whether it's our platform or not, I think that really is the important element when you think about rising generations and how everyone's used to an app. And even a lot of newer wealth creators are used to an app for everything. They've used either apps they've purchased and used in their business or their business developed a proprietary application that was part of their competitive advantage. That's just par for the course now. And I think getting that digitized experience so you can focus. And I think Mark Tepish at UBS, he put out the family-centric white paper on thinking about families from a family office, from a family-centric office. 
And that ties to what's going on with Deloitte's white papers, family office, and putting the family first. I think that with new generations, technology is going to be part of that answer. So you, you touched on these two trends that are dovetailing, right? You, you've got this fourth industrial revolution, this advent of technology, Moore's law, right? It's growing exponentially. The flip side is, and, and really aligned with that, the consumer is also demanding more technological optionality, right? So millennials and Gen Zs, their expectation of this digital interface is growing, right? And it's almost table stakes at this point for most groups. So before we get into your solution set, you kind of touched on this, but I'd like to get a little bit deeper. What is the current state of affairs when it comes to technological solution sets for family offices? Is it is Adapar, Black Diamond, are there other options out there? Are most people just piecing these together and then creating their own internal solution? So I think this really goes to every family office is unique. They all approach it in different ways. I think most people that I've spoken with, either in the Intoli capacity or not, are finding specific items that suit their needs such as an Adapar, an SSNC suite, a Sage, a Bill.com. And certain ones will talk to each other, like Sage and Bill.com can talk. And then there are different people out there who are connecting very specific pieces together. Like I will integrate your performance reporting to your general ledger, and I'll make sure that that data goes back and forth. And then you have some family offices that will take a sales force or build something in-house and to put it all together. And at least from most of the people I've talked to take that approach, they either decide to try to commercialize that because it's expensive and not just building, it, it's maintaining and keeping up with the change, or they end up putting it by the wayside down the road. There are a couple players that are trying to build an all-in-one that I'm aware of. The, I think the difficulty with an all-in-one is, and some of them are getting great traction. My standpoint and why we didn't go that route is just, I don't believe that one organization is ever going to be able to keep up with the innovation of the entire world. And if I want to have governance in common between an operating business and the family enterprise activities, and I want to have some layer of unification and the new bill.com comes out or some other thing comes out that needs to integrate. I don't want to have to wait for an all-in-one solution to go rebuild that feature set. I want to be able to see that get plugged in so you can harness the collective innovation. And that's, that's ultimately, so there, there is a big strong force, but I, I really think that's the monolithic approach that was tried and moved away from. And so I think that most coming back to the question, most people are either just having a collection of individual tools and doing some integration, but they're not really creating a governance hub that I'm aware of. So let's get into the command center. Like what is the solution set? What problems does it solve? How does it work kind of in specificity? Sure. So we call it a command center because it's not just a dashboard. But if I'm going through without visuals, the easiest thing is probably to start by talking about dashboards. You have a dashboarding system. It shows you 
different reports, different records that are going on of, of things in your enterprise. So if you just take up the family enterprise notion, you're dealing with what are commonly put into five different dimensions, kind of an enterprise macro level view. You're dealing with a business capital view, an investment capital view, a personal capital view, and a philanthropic capital view. So those are different types of things that you're looking at that have different purposes. So you're going to be curious about what are the assets that you have? What kind of liquidity do you have? What cash is coming in or coming out? Financials, they're the lifeblood. But you're also going to be concerned with things like a board or a committee. What are the boards I have? Especially if you're adding governance in when people aren't that familiar with formalized governance processes, bringing in boards and committees can be confusing and sometimes scary the first time. And I think the last time I was working on a project, this was in a corporate setting of bringing in a governance framework in this preparation for a business for exit. And I was part of this process. The number one question from everyone was, what committees am I on? What committees are, and then the second one is what committees are there. And the third one is what is the charter or purpose of what I'm doing? And there's really simple information that you can track. I mean, that's not super complex. And that's part of, we take those concepts and we centralize it. And if you don't really have a full-blown tool, you're not big enough to need it. We have basic tools in our command center to track those kinds of things and let people manage and manage change. And then that goes to corporate compliance, high-level projects, integrate out to a project management system, and a whole cornucopia of different things that we have a high level that we've tied to different industry standards, such as FIBOs, which is the Financial Information Business Object Standard that a lot of banks and other institutions are moving to. And then we have some primitive tools. We go deep in the governance and compliance. Once we've got that, then the real fun starts. You can take a scorecard. So we have an implementation scorecard and our own best practices scorecard that you start with that you know, walks through, do you have boards and committees? Do you have charters to your boards and committees? Do you have meetings recorded at whatever interval you said you need to meet? Do you have minutes? Is a family constitution present? And all those types of things that are really these best practices that pretty much every consultant in the space will say you need to do. But realistically, when you have 7, 10, 20 people in a team that are touching dozens and dozens of different entities, different generations, that gets lost really quick. And the family members often don't understand those different things. So being able to surface that in a meaningful way that the different parties can work on together is, we believe and our clients believe, very, very valuable. So is this something that is it like a white label dashboard that anyone can access in a secure, transparent, 24-7, 365 manner? Exactly. With the tools that let you manage the governance and compliance and have workflows and sign-offs and those types of things too. And that's why we call it the command center. And that interoperates with all the different systems and creates transparency between, okay, I'm looking at what this entity is worth. I can click in and drill down to the accounting engine 
that has all of that supporting information. I know from our conversation and from the site, this is really inspired by conversations and work that was being done at Fox, right? The family office exchange. Could you maybe go a little bit deeper there in terms of how this all came about, why you're bringing this to market, how that worked with, within the Fox community? Absolutely. So I can't remember when I went to my first Fox conference, but I know it was before I could have a drink. And they have been very, very helpful in our journey as we've been learning and trying to figure out what to do. And they have a tremendous amount of really great research that's out there. And there are a number of people who do it. I I can think of other organizations too, but staying on your question of Fox, they have different things like family enterprise best practices. They've got 50 of them. And there are all sorts of ways that you can implement those best practices. But at the end of the day, if you think from just a foundation's perspective, you can drill it down to, do you have a family constitution that's reviewed? And if you think about what we're doing with the command center, we can say, here's a best practice. And I think most people who are getting deeply engaging with the family, with family governance, agree a family constitution is vital. We can say, is the family constitution present? We can make sure that when people log in, they see it. We can push it in front of people to review and we can say, hey, when was the last time someone reviewed it? When was the last update? And we can scorecard that and we can tie that into processes. Well, they have 50 that we've aligned ourselves very closely with, in addition to some of their other research. That's, I would say, one part of the product inspiration is really using them as a key pillar in how we've built by saying, here are generally accepted practices that have done well for other people in the industry that have good research behind them. Here is how we understand what we've done is compatible and supports those. The second element is just the community. They have a wonderful community of people and being able to go to a conference, engage other people, hear what other people are doing, the problems on people's minds, and having that peer dialogue has been just really vital in the learning process. We're working with one family right now in that community that has been a key voice and is piloting and you're getting ready to pilot really some of the different things that we're developing now. And it's really neat having drawn from that same well together and saying, we both think these are good best practices. So we have, it's not just us in a silo or an echo chamber working together. We're gaining some of that collective wisdom. And then the third pillar, all right, I'm long-winded. The third pillar with Fox is just their team. I've really been very impressed by their team and the insights that they've shared. They've been generous enough to share a lot of insights over, over the years with us. And Peter has been very insightful and really helped us position ourselves at and helping us really lean into the collaborative aspect is one thing that's really important to us as an organization is we're here to bring things together and help make sure that the rising tide raises all ships. And he's been a really good guiding light to remind me of that when we've had conversations. Kent, I think he, he deserves an individual recognition there as well. Kent Lawson, he has been really, really helpful in understanding the technology space, both sharing some of his own insights, his thoughts, and where he thinks things are going, but also helping us understand 
where are other people doing great work? Because we don't want to go replicate what's out there. Again, we want to focus on how are we bringing things together? Because this is pivoting out of Fox for a second. I really believe that we're answering today, how do we tie together initial systems? But what a family office is going to do and how it's going to behave and operate is changing. And we saw a lot of that during COVID. And we're seeing that with rising generations with much more insourcing, outsourcing. And that line is going to blur about personal assets that are connected to the internet. How can a team be assisting that or a team you outsource to? And so we need to have a common foundation and fabric. And I, I believe they share that opinion of that foundation and that fabric. But what they've really done is they've run a great research great connectivity and really a trusted community to operate in. Does the current market environment have you reevaluating your investment strategy? There may be alternative opportunities you have yet to consider to safeguard your portfolio. We've created an exclusive guide for Capital Club listeners featuring the top alternative investments to consider when strategizing for inflation. Download it today at excelsiorgp.com slash download to learn how you can protect your portfolio, diversify your assets, and take advantage of tax benefits in today's market. That's excelsiorgp.com slash download. So that's where I want to go next is this, you know, we're hearing more and more at conferences or within thought leadership comments about this hybrid family office or digital family office. It does seem like technology is taking the forefront for a lot of these groups. Could you maybe just touch on what you're seeing trend-wise within you know, how families are using and leveraging technology today? Sure. I'm going to take one little step back because I think one element, and I'll get right to the question, what is a family office is something that I hear a lot, come up a lot too. And I think that's important for this question. So some people seem to talk about a family office as an organization that attends to the need of a family. Others get into the element of, well, you have single family offices that are hired by the family, and then you have multifamily offices that are commercial enterprises, and really they are more of family office service providers. I think depending upon how you answer that question, how you're seeing this whole digital family office or virtual family office come about, really changes the lens because most digital or virtual family offices seem to be commercial outfits and there's nothing wrong with that right it's but they they all seem to be that way and so if you have a more purist approach to the notion of what a family office is that it almost seems a little bit anathema or running away from that pure notion if you have a more inclusive approach as you will of it's when you have an office that's really first focused on the family, not necessarily a business entity. I think COVID put the nail in the coffin of people seeing virtual family office as a strong opposition from a in-person family office, shall I tell you, if you want to say, because everybody had to go virtual overnight and everybody has virtual tools. I think that you might say there are purely virtual offices now that they have no location people come to, which some people will like for sure. And I think technology enables that. So to your point, there's a new way of engaging people, and that's through technology. 
I think that what I'm seeing is that people are bolstering their service offering in the family office space with the technology, but they're not replacing the person. And at least all of the research that I've read and the people I've spoken with, most people, not just in the family office space, but even in the affluent space, don't want to get rid of having a person. They just want the technology as a service delivery mechanism. And so it seems like most people are responding to that in the family office space. They're not trying to create this black box portal that you go to and you never talk to someone and you have a family office. I think some people tied to Google are doing sort of a family office for the masses. I forget the name of it. That's meant to be an advisory services for investments with some technology, but it seems like most people are leaning into how do we create a digitized client or family experience leveraging technology. Yeah, yeah, I would I would tend to agree. And could you maybe just define for people out there what a digital family office is or a virtual family office and whether or not they people use them interchangeably, but I think they're different, right? Yes. Yeah, so- I'll throw an off-the-cuff that definition. I, I haven't tried to s- separate them too much, but I think you're right. I agree. No, off-the-cuff is good. Go for it. Digital family office, I think of when I hear those words, if someone's using it, I generally think of that someone who's trying to have everything accessible digitally. And I don't necessarily, and this is maybe my own bias, I don't necessarily think Digital implies no people or no physical location. Virtual, I tend to think a little more of you don't have an in-person location when I hear it now. In the past, I heard it as you don't have to do everything in person with me. If you asked me five years ago, what does virtual family office mean to me? I would have thought, oh, well, virtual family office means there's a way to have a virtual experience And people don't need to come into the office to do things if you don't want to be on a phone. Now, when I hear someone using virtual family office, just going back to before, I feel like those concepts in general have been largely merged together. Virtual almost seems like when you're not having a physical presence, which I think people like the virtual, but I think people like to know there's a physical presence too. I don't think people are rushing to only exist in a virtual world. So I think what I'm seeing people leaning into virtual family office, it also tends to be going to people who either have a lower corpus of assets or they are just wanting a very slim service offering. So maybe they have a ton of Bitcoin in a Bitcoin wallet, but they don't really want that many of the traditional services. And usually a lot of the very involved governance and other things that really seem most proper to the family office to me is a lot lighter and it's a lot more focused on services like finance or planning that don't always need those deep conversations that tend to unfold more in person. I would generally agree. Although these are such new terms, honestly, that when I ask people, they're kind of all over over the board. I do think we'll probably end up landing somewhere like a lot of things in a hybrid mode. I agree with you. I think people, they want that digital experience. They want that accessibility and technology on the forefront. And I think many do want a physical location, a point of reference, a 
just an office that they can go to and have meetings and actually see people every once in a while. And so I think that's probably where we're going to land. Let's get back to the command center and some of the, the solution sets that are in the marketplace today. Like you said, there are some really big players throwing a lot of money at this space. What is the challenge for them? Why have they not been able to get a widget to solve this issue within the family office, multifamily office space? So just to make sure I heard that right, why has no one else done the command center approach Correct. yet? I think some people have taken a pass at it with the all-in-one approach, which in technology often comes before a more interoperable approach, if you look historically. I think if you think about building a startup, there's a lot of focus on find your problem that you solve, make it a narrow problem, solve it really, really well, do that and do that repeatedly to the hedgehog principle from good to great with Tim Collins. And there's a lot of truth to that. And I love that concept. And I think that everybody is really aimed in how they're approaching things at that. And so by virtue, it's not that you can't take that and say, well, our approach is to go deep into bringing things together and being deep in this area here of governance. I I think you can apply that to it. And you can say our problem is pulling things together for centralized governance while we follow these product values. But I think it's not a typical formula. So I think a lot of people who are working in startups don't necessarily go that way. I think the other element is family offices aren't that well known of an industry. And the awareness of family offices has come up a lot in the last five years. It takes years to bring a technology product to market. It's not, most of the successful platforms aren't built in six months and then going live. It might look like that from the outside, but usually, especially if anything's very complex or interconnected or enterprise grade, it's years of R&D behind it. And you're prototyping and piloting along the way, but there's a long runway. And so I think a lot of skilled technologists aren't aware of the industry. And they're only now becoming aware of the industry with all of the news and media attention that's coming towards it. And tied to that, it means you you have fewer people who cross-cut understanding the operations of a family office and the building and of technology. That's a very limited pool of people. And so as a result, you have less people taking a stab at it. And if you're coming in not knowing the business, you're going to focus on addressing less of the big scope because it's easier to onboard and learn a lot about, I'm I'm just going to pick it, accounts payable and doing accounts payable for a family office or general ledger or trust accounts. And if you pick a narrower piece, if you don't know the industry or you need to train your tech people up on the industry so they can build the technology well and have that interdisciplinary knowledge, it's easier to have a small piece. So I think there's a limited amount of people with the background to really build it. I'm sure that there will be people who emerge who are approaching it similar to how we're doing it. I'm sure if we didn't do it, someone else would have done it. I, It's not some notion of, I think this was some stroke of genius that no one else would have ever thought of. I, I think it's just that the market 
has grown. And I think too, the family office vertical by itself, especially five years ago, was not a huge vertical with a huge expectation of growth. And if you look at the revenue of technology, if you say there are 50,000 family offices worldwide, you have 50,000 potential clients. And five years ago, people were spending a couple percent of their budget a year on technology versus advise RAs that spend 10 to 15%, which you have a smaller budget, less potential clients. The ROI doesn't look as good. And I think that you have to understand how the tool sets play back to the business world. So if I were to summarize it, I think there just isn't a large awareness of the market and the people who build tech. It's easier to narrow your scope of what you're addressing if you're onboarding people to it and then just seeing it as a market that's an addressable market. I think if you're thinking about investing millions of dollars into a company, those are hard questions you ask yourself. And I think that some people tried, and I can think of, I don't want to go through the names, but I can think of 10 different entities that I saw come up, try to get some attraction with pulling something, but not necessarily a command center notion, but some hubbing of information together that either were family offices that didn't know tech or technologists who didn't know family offices that kind of went by the wayside over the last five years. And a lot of it is the technology doesn't work or doesn't grow or doesn't adapt or it doesn't fit how a family office actually functions. And I think that's changing. And I think the really future is really bright for family offices in that People are becoming more aware of the industry. The industry itself is starting to have standards. I think RSM and a college recently put out a training program for family offices. I know Fox just released a training program for family offices, and I've been hearing a lot more in terms of that certification route. So I think as that standardizes, technology will be easier to implement to support those standards. And I think just the innovation. As you create those standards, you map them to traditional ways of business operating, you're going to have a whole new wave over the next 5, 10, 20 years of how technology will harness family offices. And if I can monologue for another minute, I, I'm sorry, Brian, I just get too excited. The, I think that family offices, because they touch so much, and there's the, the age-old golden rule, he who controls the gold, they have a certain degree of influence. As technology gets adopted by these families and they use them to really promote their values, the way and the influence and the positive, I believe it's positive because most families I know are very philanthropic and care deeply about the world. I think the positive impact to the world as technology is automating those missions and those values is just going to be absolutely phenomenal. Well, as we wrap up the conversation, that's where I wanted to go is what do you see on the horizon? What is the pie in the sky solution out there? I'm not saying that you're going to be able to deliver it, but what are some things that excite you that are in development that you could see happening in the next 10 or 20 years? So if we think about the business world and different ways people have set up the ability to tie different organizations together through integration that can create much more valuable services. Or you think about the experience that 
you can have using Google and your Google suite tied together. Or you can think about Nest and your home and how you can use, if you use Nest, you can have your thermostat, you can have your ring cameras on the front. If you have really advanced things, you might even have a proprietary system with facial recognition of who's coming and going to your property. If you think about Tesla and the cars and that they're self-driving and that's getting really close, how long is it before you can have your Tesla come to your curb and pick you up? And you, you see that channel of how just little things that we use in our daily lives are becoming just seamless in our experience of using them. And then on the other extreme, you have the World Economic Forum's prediction that we're going to have robo-advisors on boards. And I don't think we're that far off. There is some emerging technology they're piloting right now on that. And to use the term, create the digital twin of the different legal entities, the different key documents, and we have better standards. The ability to derive analytics through AI and machine learning of what you have and look at your positions and your risk in a diversified way and be able to drill down, it's just going to give us data-driven insights that are going to dramatically improve our ability to operate while buttoning our experience together. Vacation home, you walk in, you can open it from your app. If you have a car, you have people helping you, how that's going to get serviced. And just all of the little things I think will be integrated. And I think that's the pie in the sky is when there are these platforms that a family can come together and say, here's what's important to us. Here's how I want things done and have a higher quality life, have access to better teams because it's more integrated in how you can work collaboratively with others and just have a more streamlined experience with data-driven insights. And hey, maybe your test will pick you up up front afterwards. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, I'm a huge fan of technology. And I think, frankly, you at the American general has always been at the forefront of it. So I agree with you. I think there's some good things coming down the pipe. If people are, first of all, thank you for joining us. If people are interested in connecting with you and learning more about the command center and the solution set, what's the best way for them to get in touch? Best way to get in touch would just be to go to our website. Feel free to use the contact form there. Call the number on the website. My email is pretty easy. It's christian at entole.family. Feel free to reach out to me directly. Happy to share, whether it's for the product or just to do some peer sharing of what's going on and hear another perspective. I, I really enjoy that. So I want to thank you for coming. For our listeners, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please leave us a rating and commentary on what you found the most compelling. And Christian, last question. We asked people to come on the show to share if they have a daily practice that helps bring peace to their life. That shifts a lot for me, to be quite, quite honest. I like to meditate a little bit each day. That's something I, I enjoy an awful lot. Unfortunately, my life is a little bit chaotic sometimes, and I probably shouldn't be admitting that, but I really enjoy getting out and exercising a little bit or getting out in a big grassy field. That's always just a beautiful time to be outside. And that seems to bring a lot of peace that really helps center just being out in nature and 
while I'm all in on technology, there's nothing more than I love to just have that do its purpose and then get outside. Well, thank you for sharing that. And thank you for sharing your experience and, and the focus of your work. And I look forward to staying in touch and keeping abreast of everything you're doing with Intolet. Thank you, Brian. Really appreciate the time and the opportunity. And great, great to share. And it's very inspirational, I have to say, just hearing you and what you were sharing about your family and how you've been navigating things. And I think there's a lot to learn from that. Well, I appreciate it. Thanks, Christian. I appreciate it. Take care. Take care. Thank you for joining us for today's episode of The Capital Club. If you enjoyed what you heard in this episode, please like, rate, or leave us a review. And stay tuned for our next episode coming soon.